When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't be jealous of our islands and palm trees down here in Florida, Joe Fortenbaugh. <laughs> Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh, the second week of Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. We come to you every day in this time slot, 7 to 9 p.m. every weekday, Monday through pr- Friday. Be a part of Joe and Amber Nation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. And it ain't college football season anymore because Georgia put an end to that. And boy, did they. We will talk about that at some point on today's show. There's a lot to get into, including, Joe, where we're starting, which... You might not yet have your AARP card, but 36 might be prime age for retirement. At least that's what we're seeing right now in the NFL. Sean McVay has been hinting at retiring since before the Rams won the Super Bowl back in 2021, right? I mean, really, it's been years that we've been hearing this. Sean McVay is only 36 years old, and we know that he's gotten thrown the flashy television deals. He certainly has other options for himself beyond football. Well, now we have heard that Sean McVay would told reporters after Sunday's regular season finale that he will quote unquote, quote, take appropriate time to decide on his immediate NFL future. And there's more to this story because now we also know that McVay is allowing his coaching staff to search for other jobs, quote unquote, without resistance. What is your reaction to all of the smoke right now that we're hearing from Sean McVay's camp? He doesn't sound like a guy excited to coach the Los Angeles Rams, that's for sure. If you were both feet in, ready to attack the offseason and rebuild this thing to compete next year, you don't talk like this. You don't hear it from Andy Reid. You don't hear it from Bill Belichick. You're hearing it from Sean McVay because he's probably putting some feelers out there to see what kind of deal he could get in the media world. I mean, remember... According to reports, the New York Post had it. He had a five-year, $100 million deal to join Amazon Prime when they were getting ready to launch for Thursday Night Football last year. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that we oftentimes fail to properly evaluate the most important commodities in our lives in the world. People think oil, they think natural gas, they think gold. It's not any of that. It's time. Time's the only thing you can't make more of. Sean McVay's got a ton of money. He's going to be 37 in a couple weeks. He's newly married. He's won the Super Bowl. He's 60 and 38 during his time with the Rams. Two trips to the Super Bowl, one win, made the playoffs four of six years. I could see him wanting to step down because he wants to spend more time with his wife, maybe build a family, maybe relax a little bit. That's the whole point why people save money for retirement. These guys just have an opportunity early on. I mean, have we not seen this in other sports? Chris Peterson retired young as the head coach in college football, once of Boise State, then of Washington. And we just saw it from Jay Wright in college basketball at Villanova. Not as young as Sean McVay, but people thought he had many years left, didn't he? Bill Belichick scoffs at one Super Bowl, right? Which is what Sean McVay has done so far. But you mentioned there Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. You're right. We don't hear these sorts of things from those sorts of guys. Andy Reid is 64 years old. Bill Belichick is 70 years old. It is quite literally a different generation 
than we're talking about when we're talking about Sean McVay. And I do think millennials maybe have a different attitude generally towards work. And certainly Sean McVay falls into that category. Maybe there is a bit more focus there on a work-life balance than coaches that are kind of of a different generation of a previous generation. But also, I think so much has changed in these generations in terms of television contracts. Like, I think that's a huge part of this because I don't think any of us think that Sean McVay is going to ride off into the sunset, hang it up, and we're never going to hear from him. I think we think that we're going to see him all over our television sets at some point. You mentioned the hundreds of millions of dollars. These guys can quite literally earn more money doing that, a much easier job than they can doing what they're currently doing. And that just didn't used to be the case for the Bill Belichicks and Andy Reeds of the world when they were on the come up trying to have the same success in their 30s and 40s. So I think that has probably changed the vantage point as well, in addition to just kind of a generational shift where maybe your focus is on things like you said of your family life. He did just get married. Maybe he'd like to start a family at some point. Maybe not having to work around the clock literally 24 hours a day like these coaches do. Maybe that's not his MO for year after year after year, or at least not consecutively. Because the other factor here is that he could easily do this, now take a few years off, go into TV, and he'll have any job he wants when he comes back. Let's be real. I mean, it's not like that is ever going to dry up. That well is not going to dry up for a very, very, very long time for Sean McVay. Supply and demand. It's like when Bill Cowher left the Steelers, right? Every year, everyone was rumoring when he's going to come back. He had a lot of success in Pittsburgh. He was a Super Bowl champion. He can get a job anywhere. And every year, people were kicking the tires. He stayed retired. Sean Payton, a Super Bowl champion, goes into retirement. Everyone immediately begins speculating when he's going to come back. There isn't an organization on earth who would watch Sean McVay jump to the media and then not be interested in seeing if he had an interest in joining their team if they had an opening, who would be the one of the 32 teams that wouldn't do that? If you already are locked into your coach, but if you fire your coach three years from now and McVay's on TV calling games, you're, you're absolutely completing malpractice as a front office if you don't at least kick the tires to see if he's interested. He's proven he can get the job done. He's young. He's energetic. He's good looking. He's personable. He would crush on TV absolutely crush and he'd only have to work half the year it'd be a fantastic lifestyle and every single team would be interested in you the rest of the way out half the year half is hard when he is working but it is interesting because of course you can also look at this situation and think okay well we do this every year now with Sean McVay and so maybe he's just trying to get paid more right because that could be the other component of this is it could always be a negotiation tactic I mean we always Jim Harbaugh you know we see it with all of these coaches at every level are they, are they actually going to leave wherever they are or are they using it as a negotiation tactic well now though with the news that he's allowing his actual assistants to interview freely anywhere else the plot does seem to thicken a little bit jeff darlington espn's nfl reporter was on canty and carlin he discussed what that actually means that certainly makes sense for sean to do that and by the way um in the past guys like from that coaching tree, whether it's McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, uh, it, it gets very sticky with those guys when it comes to kind of – Kyle sort of set the tone early on where he doesn't really let his coaches interview for jobs that are lateral moves um, and uh, sometimes even, even more than that because these guys know each other all so well that they try to, like, protect their staffs essentially. So Sean doing that doesn't, to me, just simply say that he is definitely um, retiring, but it does tell me that he is, you know, at least on the fence to the point where he's not going to 
you know, hold the rest of his staff hostage while he makes the decision. And two points on that. Number one, Liam Cohen, his offensive coordinator, already jumped ship back to Kentucky. He was at Kentucky as the OC two years ago, came back to be the OC of the Rams when O'Connell left. Now he already left for Kentucky. And number two, he just got, and this is McVay, an extension last year after winning the Super Bowl that paid him $14 million a year. So it could be a negotiating ploy, but it feels like he's going a lot farther than he needs to in order to negotiate, especially after this season didn't go so hot. And again, the thing is with these television contracts, like you can make more. And I mean, most people, most people just listening to us right now, if they were told, hey, you could do a much easier job than the one you're currently doing for a lot more money and only work half the year. Most everybody listening to us would be like, sure, it sounds good. Sign me up. And that's what these young coaches, especially one like Sean McVay with his resume. And and you mentioned young and the television presence. Certainly one that would be available to him. Sean McVay might be stepping away, but there's one coach we're anticipating who will be back next NFL season. At least we think so. Where will he go? We are going to get into that next. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. So we don't know if McVeigh's leaving for the fancy television contract. We do know one NFL coach did leave and right now is on television, but keeps flirting with the idea of coming back. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. You can always give him a tweet. Give him a follow at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check me out as well on social media at Amber W Sports. So we, before we get into those 
NFL landing spots because we are about to be in coaching carousel season. But before we get there, let's go ahead and try to earn the people a little pizza money. It's something we like to do on this show. Try to bring you some cash in the way that Joe Fortenbaugh best knows how. Let's do it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. We call it pizza money because it's a small wager. There are big wagers, BMW wagers, Mercedes wagers, Bora Bora bungalow wagers. This is a pizza money wager. It's a bet we like, but it's a bet we're not going to go heavy on, so we pass it along to you, the people. All due respect to Amber Wilson, I love her. I'm fading her Miami Heat tonight. Give me Oklahoma City, plus two over the Heat. The game starts in about 13 minutes. Miami's dropped four of six. No Bam Adebayo tonight. No Tyler Hero tonight. No Kyle Lowry tonight. If you look at the Heat this season against the number, they've got 16-point spread covers. Only one team has covered the spread fewer times than the Heat. That would be the Dallas Mavericks. On the other side, you have an Oklahoma City team that has been quite profitable this season. 24-16 and against the spread. Only the Indiana Pacers, believe it or not, have covered more spreads. What does that tell us? OKC routinely undervalued by the betting market. They're 7-4 and in their last 11 games. It's the Thunder. Plus two over the Miami Heat tonight, tipping off in just over 12 minutes. That's okay. We're not betting the Bora Bora Villa on it. Right. Just a little pizza money. I'm okay with that. And the good news for you is I've been so lousy with these picks, it probably (laughs) locks you up for a winner here. That's probably true. Although you turned things around late last week, right? We got got a little pizza money out of it. So we're going to try to get you some more. We do that a few times a show, every show here on Joe and Amber. Now, I referenced earlier an NFL coach who took a leave of absence from coaching who looks like he's going to make a comeback, but I'm not really sure. Sean Payton certainly has been flirting with the idea. There's the rumors out there that he's even started to try to formulate a staff because he's going to be a hot commodity on the coaching carousel market. Now, He's also stated that, I don't know, maybe I'll just stay in TV. You know, I mean, he certainly doesn't have to come back. And I would imagine, Joe, some of that's going to be dependent on what jobs are actually available to him. So let's start with the ones that we know are most likely going to be available to him. They're available in terms of a coach. And I would imagine all of these teams are at least considering giving Sean Payton a call. The Denver Broncos, the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, the Carolina Panthers, and the Arizona Cardinals. Those are all actual coaching vacancies. Obviously there's some other landing spots that could open up after the playoffs. We'll be talking about, you know, Dallas, maybe chargers, maybe Washington, but let's start with what we know is actually available out of these teams. Which one to you is the most attractive? And I actually do not think that this is an easy answer because I don't find any of them particularly attractive, but also if they were, they wouldn't need a coach. Right. They're flawed because they don't have coaches. They don't have coaches because they're flawed. The single greatest question of those five, Denver, Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, and Houston, comes down to one thing. Can you fix Russell Wilson? If you can get more out of Russell Wilson, if you can get top 12 quarterback play out of Russell Wilson, Denver's the job. I don't think that's the case. So they're out. Arizona's out. I definitely don't want to work with Kyler Murray. Houston's out because of the way they've treated their last two coaches. Two one and duns. They got a great draft pick, number two overall, and they've got a lot of cap space. I do not want to work for that organization. It comes down to Carolina and Indianapolis. I think the best job is Indianapolis. They have the number four overall pick, which means they might be able to get one of the top three quarterbacks in Young, Stroud, or Levis. They're in position to trade up higher if they need to. 
They have the seventh most cap space available, and they've got some good young talent. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, Shaq Leonard at linebacker, DeForest Buckner on the defensive line, uh, Quentin Nelson on the offensive line. Of all the options there, and obviously you have to weigh in the weather and the state taxes. I get all that. The Indianapolis Colts, I think, are the best possible job right now. What about you? Where are you at? Are you in agreement, I'm, disagreement? I'm shocked. No, I'm shocked by that one. And, and, here's, and here's why. And let's go back to the Russell Wilson portion of this conversation for a moment. I have no idea. Is C.J. Stroud better than Russell Wilson? Is Will Levis better than Russell Wilson? I have no idea. And I understand what we saw from Wilson this season. But it I was still not good. have a hard time. It was not good. It was very ugly. But, man, I have a hard time believing that we went from 10 years – to that overnight. It, the the fall-off doesn't make sense. He hasn't even hit 35 years old yet. I mean, we've never seen that sharp of a decline that fast from any quarterback in the NFL. It's like he fell off a cliff, and we've certainly never seen it this late in a career. I mean, sure, like, could you throw out a Cam Newton or an RG3, but you you can't look at 10 years of elite hall of fame worthy type work because Russell Wilson was a quarterback that I think when he was in Seattle played himself into the hall. And now after one season in Denver seems to be maybe playing himself out of the hall of fame. And we have never seen anything like that. It's hard for me to believe that it could be this bad because I saw it be good for so long. Now I'm not saying that there's not a decline that he's hit. I was even saying that frankly, the last couple seasons now a down season for Russell Wilson in Seattle is still a good season by all accounts but the last couple seasons he starts down ticking like tick 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 down a little bit with his numbers and certainly last season not given he was playing through the thumb injury last season in Seattle but then a cliff he fell off of in Denver and that's the part that I have a hard time accepting so I can accept that Russell Wilson is no longer at the top of his game or even an elite level quarterback but I can't accept that he went from that guy to one of the worst quarterbacks statistically in the entire NFL and for that reason I think I would still give the nod to Denver because at least in Denver you just want that Walton money see that's you I know you you're in Florida you want that Walton money no but here's the thing though that's actually a good point out of you because these owners are filthy, filthy. All these owners are filthy rich. Like These people are filthy, 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 filthy. And willing to spend, it appears. And yes, there's a salary cap in this sport, but that's also what you want is that commitment from your ownership. And so I do think that it feels like that new era in Denver that you could usher it in if you were a coach, if you were the Sean Payton of the world and really make something of that. So I do think Denver is a very attractive destination. I mean, very attractive might be overstating it. But again, these jobs aren't open. If they're very attractive, let's be honest about it. Uh, I, you know, Let me throw when, this back at you, though. Let me throw this back at you. If you swing and miss, if you go to Denver and you're convinced that you can turn it around with Russ and you can't, you can't get rid of him this year because his dead cap number is $107 million. You can't get rid of him next year because his dead cap number is $85 million. And you can't get rid of him after 2025 because his dead cap number is $49 million. If you go there and he doesn't retire, you're probably going to commit to him for a minimum of three years, at which point you can get out of the deal after 2025, making it a four-year, $161 million deal where you still eat $31 million in dead cap money. That is a big miss if he doesn't turn out. Also, it's a big miss because it's the guy with the resume. And so if you can't get anything out of him, I mean, we just saw it right in Denver. If you can't get anything out of him, then the leash is going to be very short. I would say that applies to coaches not named Sean McVay, though, because at least a Sean McVay walks into that situation. Wilson's then getting the blame. You know, it's not the same as Hackett. Wilson's going to get the blame in that situation. 
than or Peyton rather Sean Peyton sorry uh, it, Wilson would get the blame rather than Peyton in that situation because you have such a proven coach that has done it at the highest level so I think that would maybe be the exception there but with some of these other jobs I mean I don't think Kyler is as toxic toxic as you do but that situation in Arizona with his injury coming off of that injury you know now we don't know about the future of DeAndre Hopkins is he yeah, gonna hard pass on that job so hard that's, pass. that situation is is a is a strange one, but at least they have a, at least you know theoretically who your future is there. These other jobs you don't even know. You're taking it through the draft. You're going to bet on the draft. Sure, C.J. Stroud might end up being good in the NFL. We have no idea. We've seen it go oh so wrong before. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline talking about the coaching carousel that's developing in the NFL will Dallas be part of that coaching carousel here pretty soon Joe and Amber here on ESPN radio Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh you can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line triple eight say ESPN 888-729-3776 so Mike McCarthy Right now, he is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like year after year, we always question whether that is going to stay the case. And certainly, we're already wondering that as we head into a postseason for this Dallas team that's been a little scary down the stretch at best, Joe. And so, Jerry Jones, he owns the Dallas Cowboys. He's never met a microphone he doesn't like. He was on 105.3 The Fan. He was asked, will this playoff game impact Mike McCarthy's job security, Jerry? No, just uh, I don't even want to. Uh, no, uh, that's it. I, I don't need to go into all the pluses or minuses, but uh, uh, we're not seeing any. We're not uh, basing. I've got uh, a lot more to evaluate Mike McCarthy on than this playoff game. So do you believe him? I think that that's where we need to start. Do you believe anything coming out of Jerry Jones's mouth? I mean, think for a second if he says yes. That's not exactly how you want to roll into the wild card round against Tampa Bay with your head coach realizing it's all on the line. You need him loose. You need him focused. So there's no way Jerry can say yes. So whether or not no is a truthful answer becomes the question. I think for McCarthy, it comes down to this. If Sean Payton wants your job, you need to win the Super Bowl to prevent that from happening. Because anything short of that, Jerry's going to can you. And he's going to have plenty of artillery to bring in Peyton. The fan base will be excited. No one will doubt it. And he'll say, look, Mike did a great job getting us to this point. I need a closer. I need a guy who can put us over the top. Sean Peyton is that guy. What's the standard in Dallas? The standard in Jacksonville is we're happy to be here. The standard in Chicago is we're thrilled with the number one pick. This is a total rebuild. Everybody's got a different standard. The Bills are going for the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are going for the Super Bowl. If you're Dallas and you're Jerry Jones, it seems like you want to go for the Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy has done a pretty good job. In three seasons, he's 30 and 20. He's gone to the playoffs twice, but he hasn't been able to win the big games, and his game management consistently comes into question in the most critical of spots. He has shown he cannot handle those situations. So if Sean Payton wants your job, you need to win the Super Bowl, Amber Wilson. Can you see it any other way? 
I can, actually. Now, for me, this comes down to what you mentioned there in terms of his clock management and some of the questionable calls that he has made in the postseason because that's squarely on his shoulder. So that factors in, I think, when you're talking about where he they need to go in order for him to retain that job security. I don't think they need to make it all the way to a Super Bowl, frankly, but I think anywhere they go... It needs to not be his fault when they get bounced, right? I mean, you can't get bounced because of some – it's the same thing we saw with the playoffs last season. We can't do that again. It can't be we're questioning clock management. We're questioning whether Dak knows what's going on in the game. Like, we cannot be at that level of sloppy and the Cowboys get bounced, whether it's late or early, I think, and not be talking about Jerry Jones firing Mike McCarthy. Now, So what happens if they're sharp this week against Tampa? They play sharp. They just well, get beat by a 9-8 right. Tampa team. Well, so that's the thing is I don't know if you can lose against Tampa, right? Like, can you go into Tampa given that, you know, it's it's a weird system where the Cowboys are going to have to go into Tampa, even though they have the much better winning percentage than the Bucks, but they have to go into Tampa and they have to beat Tom Brady on his turf. But we're talking about a 45-year-old Tom Brady and we're talking about a Bucks team that's had a terrible season by all accounts, just happens to find themselves in the weakest division of football. It's the only reason they're there. That Dallas team is much better than that Buccaneers team from top to bottom. And because of that, maybe not at the quarterback position, but everywhere else. And because of that, if you're the Cowboys, I think you have to get past Tampa. Like that is taking care of business. But then are you running into an Eagles team that you can't see a scenario where, you know, unbelievable game and the Eagles just simply end up at the very end, you know, do something crazy, some crazy Jalen Hurts, you know, wild play, whatever. Cowboys get beat last second. Do you think that's fireable for Mike McCarthy if it's not a coaching issue because I'm not as convinced at that point. Certainly if we're talking a conference championship and a Super Bowl appearance, I think that's enough. I don't think you need to win a Super Bowl. But short of that, I still think that Jerry Jones does tend to be loyal in these situations. And I do think that Mike McCarthy can maintain his job. The Cowboys did have a very good season, despite the fact that Dak Prescott was battling through injuries this season. And so, again, I think a lot of it comes down to where Mike McCarthy's play calling goes and that clock management goes in the postseason. It's a weak conference this year. It's weak. The Giants are weak. The Bucks are weak. Minnesota's weak. You got two teams, Philadelphia and San Francisco. And San Francisco starting a rookie seventh-round pick at quarterback and the Eagles have shown signs of issues the last few weeks. They beat the Eagles a few weeks back. See, if McCarthy had won a couple games last year in the postseason, that's one thing. But he had a home game to open the playoffs against San Francisco, and he got beat. And the Niners jumped on them early. San Francisco overwhelmed the Cowboys. They clearly were not prepared early on. The only reason they got back in the game is Garoppolo hurt his shoulder and the offense had to throttle back. And then late in the game with a chance to win, they completely mismanaged the situation and blew it. Now, they probably weren't going to win anyway, but they mismanaged their opportunity down the stretch. That's what accelerated the hot seat, in my opinion. If you manage that game well and you get beat by a Niner team that goes on to win the Super Bowl, so be it. You beat the Niners and lose the following weekend, but you put on a good show, you're showing you can do the right thing. But you had a layup regular season, went to the playoffs, and immediately got beat. And if something like that happens again, that's why Tampa's like the worst opponent for them because Tampa has not had a good year. You go to Tampa Bay, you lose that game even if you play well, it's time for a change because what would lead you to believe McCarthy's going to fix it next year? Prescott's only getting worse. That's the second element to this story. 
His job as an offensive-minded head coach is to develop the quarterback, and Dak seems to be regressing, does he not? He does seem to be regressing. Now, I do think injuries factor into that, but also that's concerning because are you talking about a quarterback that's becoming injury-prone as the years roll on? You need to get the most out of him when you can get the most out of him. So, yes, that is concerning. You would, you would certainly hope that Dak would still be that – that the sky would be the limit because none of us really know where that limit is for Dak Prescott. Maybe we're starting to realize it more, but there were people who thought – Dak was going to play his way into that elite status. That hasn't been the case this season. And so the Cowboys end up the, with the narrative this season that they had the same one last season, right? I mean, it, it's the same conversation I feel like we are having with this Cowboys team. But how attractive is that job for the Cowboys? Because if you're a Sean Payton, I'm not sure I want anything to do with, and I know they have a good relationship. I'm not sure I want anything to do with dealing with Jerry Jones, breathing down my neck, breathing over my shoulder, sealing the microphone all the time. Now, it's a great gig for, I mean, first of all, it's one of 32, and it's also the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I'm not suggesting that that's not a good job. It's just, if we're talking about a coach of that stature that has his pick of anything, then I don't know if that is the job. So a guy like Peyton might be the guy who's able to get through because Peyton's in demand. McCarthy wasn't in demand when the hiring cycle came around after the Cowboys got rid of Jason Garrett. It's not like NFL teams were banging down doors because they had to hire Mike McCarthy. Good coach, not great. Peyton's one of those guys that it appears Jerry Jones has been chasing. Lots of teams have been chasing him. He's got a great track record, great history. By all accounts, he knows what he's doing. And he had a long tenure of success. He's the type of guy I think some people would look at like an Andy Reid. It kind of went south at the end of your first job. It happens in relationships. You get a new job, you hit the ground running, and you perform at a high level, which is what Andy did with the Chiefs and has been doing for the better part of more than a decade now. Sean Payton's the one guy who could come in and say, look, I got other opportunities. I can stay in the booth as well. I could stay as an analyst. If I'm coming here, you can't control personnel. I have to be able to have a say in that. And if Jerry's willing to accept that, he gets a great coach. Because he's had a problem ever since Jimmy Johnson. He didn't like the fact that Jimmy Johnson got all that shine for winning. So he's had to be more involved. And as a result, you've had a series of yes men who have not been able to rise to the challenge. Who have not been able to get Dallas back to the promised land that the fan base expects them to be at. So you can have Sean Payton, but you're going to have to cede some of that power. And if Jerry can do that, boom. Because Mike McCarthy was not in high demand three years ago when Dallas hired him. It was not, that was a surprise by all accounts that he got that gig. Yeah, well, I don't think that these high-demand coaches end up getting that gig for that reason. And I just don't know if I believe that he can relinquish any of that power, frankly. Like, I'm not sure that we're going to see it in Jerry Jones' lifetime. But I agree with you. If I'm Sean Payton, that would have to be part of the deal and part of that conversation. It's funny because when we have these conversations about Payton and we just did a whole segment on where would he go in terms of the jobs that are actually available, we didn't mention the Dallas component or the Chargers component or, or Washington or any of these other jobs that, that may at some point here open up during this carousel. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm just waiting for that because those are the jobs that at least – you know, you have the proven talent more. I mean, you might not think Dak is a top five quarterback in the league, but nobody thinks he's awful by any means. And we're having those conversations about Russell Wilson at this point, right? And some of these other jobs that are available. I mean, I don't know where you'd rank him in terms of, you know, Sam Darnold in Carolina, but these other jobs that are available certainly have huge question marks at that quarterback position. If a Justin Herbert needs a coach, then all of a sudden we're talking about a very different 
sort of thing. And so that's another team that I think, you know, how far do they have to go? Them making it into a postseason, is that already enough to have secured that job security and you miss out on Sean Payton for another season? I would imagine these owners are somewhat evaluating that in their heads based on the availability of a Sean Payton, but it may not be this season that he ends up taking one of these jobs. It could be next season. It could be next season. If Sean McVay leaves the Rams and then he goes into TV, we're going to be doing this each and every year with him. These guys that are in high demand are going to stay in high demand. There's no reason to think that they won't. So they will certainly have their pick of whatever job. I just don't know if that Dallas job is at the top of anybody's list because of the presence of Jerry Jones. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, did Carlos Correa finally find a team willing to sign him? It seems like it, but uh, what an interesting trip that has been. It's Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Carlos Correa is a giant. No, 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 wait. No, no, wait. He's a Met. No, 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 wait. No, no, no. He's actually a twin. That one is right. Star shortstop, Carlos Correa. He is going to be a Minnesota twin on a $200 million deal uh, moving forward. Six years, $200 million. And that, of course, is a turn of events because Carlos Correa had agreed to a 13-year $350 million deal with the San Francisco Giants on December 13th. After the Giants raised concerns about Correa's surgically repaired right leg, he pivoted quickly to the New York Mets, who then offered him a 12-year, $315 million contract. Then the Mets flagged his physical as well, and efforts to amend that deal fell apart. That has led Correa back to, you guessed it, Minnesota, where he's signing this topsy, uh, where he signed this contract and this topsy turvy offseason for him. The agreement includes a vesting option for four years and $70 million and will become official if Correa passes a medical review, which is currently taking place. The focus of that medical review is also going to be that lower right leg. By the way, this lower right leg that's causing him so many problems and costing him so much money this offseason was broken in 2014 when he was in the minors during a minor league game. According to sources, the Twins are uncomfortable with it because they think that it could end up becoming a problem. I guess these other teams as well. This Carlos Correa story has been a strange one, Joe, from the start. And here we are, 200 for six years with the Twins. Yeah, Uh, real concern, but here's $200 million. Right. Interesting. 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 Not, not normally what I do when I'm concerned about something. I mean, Carlos Correa, let's be honest. Like, what's I, I guess the projection here is that these team doctors are looking at this ankle. They're seeing a situation where they don't like how it's going to age. And at some point over the length of one of these six, eight, ten-year deals, it's going to be a major problem. All right, you can kind of say that about just about anybody. Even the healthy guys end up getting hurt. Is he in shape? Is he coming to play? I mean, Minnesota's up close and personal. They had him on the roster last year. He hit 291, which is the second best batting average he's produced in his entire career. Went yard 22 times, 64 RBIs, and appeared in 136 games. So if anyone is familiar with Carlos Correa and how he can perform with that ankle, it's the Minnesota Twins. They just saw it for 136 games last season. Well, that's what I think is the beauty of this deal for Minnesota, because now it's the team that's familiar with the medical 
who are handing him the money and get, and also now we're going down the road again of a medical, but you would imagine when they ink the deal for 200, they're feeling a lot more confident of what they can do with this medical and this 70 million and, and uh, this vesting option for four years. I think that they're probably more comfortable in this situation, maybe than these other teams that obviously don't have the familiarity there, but it's just been such a strange thing because again, it's such an old injury and like one that he is completely healed from, I mean, seemingly so, right? I guess doctors are concerned that it's going to cause him problems here as he ages. He's 28 right now, but you are talking about a player that has, quite literally never been on the IR once for a right leg ailment. Like this leg issue has never acted up in his entire career in the majors, not since he broke it back in 2014. And so now a broken leg back in 2014 is quite literally costing you potentially here hundreds of millions of dollars. It just seems like a, a, a bad situation for the, from the players' perspective, like one that the players' union would be like, wait a minute, you know, looking sideways at a little bit, like, hold on, we're, you know, we're all of a sudden no, nobody's willing to pay these guys because of some really old injury, but then Minnesota stepped up with the six years. It seems like Minnesota wanted the shorter deal, and that was the whole thing, right? And maybe that's where the negotiation should have been with the Giants and the Mets to begin with. If you are concerned about the longevity of somebody in the sport because of an injury that they suffered back in 2014, the length of the deal would be paramount, you would think. And so he ends up having to agree to six with the twins because of the way that these things have gone. Well, supply and demand. You know, early on, you've got every team possibly interested in you. The Giants are interested. The Mets are interested. Because of that, short supply, Carlos Correa, there's only one of them, but high demand. So you're going to have to give them the long-term deal. But once the Giants bow out, once the Mets bow out, once several teams around Major League Baseball have already shored up their positions, you're not going to get that 13-year deal. Anyone can listen to you and I on this matter. Jeff Passan, who's been covering baseball for a really long time, He's got some thoughts on this. And every time someone's asking as to why the Twins would be willing to sign Correa and the other two teams bailed, take a listen to this. Here's Jeff Passan. The Twins are more comfortable, and they're also more familiar with his medicals, having had him last year with the team and having seen him over the course of the entire season. And one thing we have to remember, this is an injury that happened in 2014 when mm. he had surgery. He was in the minor leagues. He's played eight big league seasons. And over the course of those eight big league seasons has not spent any time on the injured list because of this injury. It's essentially a projection by doctors. And listen, medical information, while the MRI is always going to look the same, it is always up to interpretation. And every team has a different threshold of what it's willing to risk. This is an absolutely fantastic deal for the Minnesota Twins. If you've ever read Moneyball or a few years later, Soccernomics, these are two sports books that talked all about how smaller market clubs who are not going to be able to spend like the Mets and the Yankees and the Red Sox, they have to rely on market inefficiencies in order to build competitive rosters. They have to have great scouting departments and they have to be willing to take a chance on damaged goods because other teams won't. That doesn't mean sign every injured player, but find the guys who might be overlooked because of an injury. And if that injury isn't a major concern to you, sign them. And that's exactly what's happening here. Soccernomics and Moneyball, two great reads when it comes to team building on the cheap. 
Carlos Correa to the Twins, Minnesota's not going to be out there wheeling and dealing like the Mets, like the Dodgers, and like the Yankees. If they're going to get a talent like this, they're going to need a flaw. They found the flaw. They took advantage of the situation. Six years, $200 million. I think it's great work by Minnesota overall. Well, and they weren't concerned about this injury when they offered him earlier in the winter a 10-year $285 million deal, which is roughly what this could end up being if, in fact, the current deal, if the option vests and everything goes according to plan. So that's not so far off from the mark. Now, at the time, Correa and his camp aren't even willing to have that conversation. I mean, he inked two deals within 12 hours of each other. When the Giants started to get cold feet because of the injury situation, he had a deal with the New York Mets within 12 hours. And remember that whole thing got weird and, you know, who was doing what? Who wasn't returning calls? Did the Giants actually just secretly want out of that deal? What was the situation there? And then he gets the deal with the Mets right away. And all of it was monster money. And all of it was big time length in terms of the contract length. And then, of course, the Mets end up pulling out of the deal. And so he ends up reverting back to the original discussions, essentially, that Scott Boris, who's his agent, was all already having and always having, it appears, with the Minnesota Twins. So you're right. Advantage Twins. They're taking, they're capitalizing on a situation that they found themselves in with a player that they wanted to begin with and was comfortable already handing this money to. But it was the market that wasn't allowing them to do it originally. And now things have changed. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, we get to that NCAA championship. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 